Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Friday and ready for the weekend. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode on the podcast today. Not a whole lot of news going on around the world of Hollywood, but still some things that I want to get into before wrapping up the week and heading into the weekend. I'm going to be getting into some casting news in regards to one of the brand new Star Wars shows that's in production right now in The Acolyte. I'm also going to be getting into some news about Harry Potter and some interesting comments that were made in regards to the future of that franchise after the Warner Brothers Discovery quarterly earnings report meeting yesterday and some of the comments that David Zaslav, the CEO, made on that franchise overall. And I'm also going to be giving kind of a little preview in honor of the one-year preview of what's to come next year in Dune Part 2. And to get a little bit excited about that as you look towards the future, as we usually love to do on the podcast and a lot of, a lot of film pundits love to do looking forward to what's ahead and down the line also looking to what's about to come out as well so we'll get into that in a little bit later on as well but the first thing that i do want to talk about is speaking of going and looking forward to the future and into 2023 earlier today there were some release date changes made to the paramount pictures release calendar of 2023 and to be more specific it was more in line with the third month of next year in march in which paramount has two major films that are set to come out around that that month, that time of year. And that is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Months Threes, which stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and is going to be kind of a brand new fantasy film that I'm sure Paramount is hoping to kick off as a new franchise down the road. It's based off of the hit kind of board game fantasy makeup film or makeup game, really, that of course I think was really made popular over the last couple of years and kind of a resurgence in Stranger Things. And then the other big film that's coming out that, that same month, and that's already a franchise, and is the sixth installment, that is in Scream 6. And that was set to come out around March 31st, but now there's kind of been a little bit of, the, of a flip-flop as Dungeons & Dragons Honor Months Thieves is set to come out now on March 31st, excuse me, after it was set to come out on March 3rd, and now Scream 6 has been pushed up in earlier into the month at set at around March 10th. So, not a big change, but usually, especially over the last couple years, there's been a a lot of big chess and moving of the big pieces on the release date board, especially because of the COVID-19 pandemic. We haven't really seen that a whole lot over the last year or so because thankfully the pandemic has kind of of gone down a little bit. It's it's, it's kind of not, again, it's still around, but very much is kind of of downgraded and isn't as prominent as it used to be, especially back in 2020, 2021. So when we look especially at movies and release dates, changes. It used to kind of be, well, it's because of the pandemic. Studios don't know what to make about the movie kind of temperature in the room, what audiences audiences are thinking about, well, they want to go to the movies. And over the last year or so, the results have been profound that, yes, people do want to go back to the movies. And so when we look at these release date changes, a lot of it now has, I think, do with strategy of, of what studios think is best suited to come out around that time and what maybe some films don't want to go up against certain other big blockbusters, want to little bit more space in between maybe certain windows that they might have an opportunity to capitalize on, which is kind of what we've summarized and speculated to to always be the case, even pre-pandemic. And so to kind of go back to that is a kind of good sense of normalcy. And I think that is exactly the case when it comes to these two release date changes. 
happening for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Month Thieves and also when it comes to Scream 6 as well. And so when we look at the the release date calendar going into 2023, the first half of the year, there's not really a, a lot of big films coming out, especially in the month of January and really the month of February. You have Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumanium, which is going to be a big hit for Marvel Studios. But other than that, there's not a big string of hits that I think are ready set to kind of come out. When we get to the month of March, though, that's when it gets a little bit interesting because that's really where we get a lot of heavy hitters. And even pre-pandemic, when we looked at 2018, 2019, over the last couple years, the, the month of March, even April, before the summer movie season, got to be a big marketplace for a lot of these studios and capitalizing on these months. And usually... Pre-2010, really, a lot of these early windows, studios didn't really have a lot of confidence in. But over the years, films like Deadpool, I even think something like the Hunger Games franchise, the Fast and Furious films, have proven that if you come out around the springtime, people will still see these films if they really want to go see them. And I think March of 2023 has a jam-packed schedule that is really going to capitalize and be a big month for moviegoers, for movie theaters, for studios. And it all starts off with Cree 3 coming out on March 3rd, and then the following week is when Scream 6 is set to come out right now. So that's going to be, again, they're not going to be competing for one another. Two totally different genres. You have two totally different, I think, demographics that are going to be going to see those films. I think you're going to have the hardcore horror fans that went to go see Scream 5 that are going to go see Scream 6 in the month of March. And then I think probably arguably the biggest film that could come out that month is going to be coming out the following weekend, seven days later on March 17th, which is Am Fury of the Gods, which is set to be the next big DC film that is going to be coming out. And it's coming off the heels of Black Adam and all the big waves of news that have come out for DC over the last half year between the Batgirl cancellation, the new management over at Warner Brothers Discovery, the announcement that James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to be taking over DC Studios and kind of revitalizing it to something new and different. And this film isn't going to be a part of that since it was already part of kind of the old regime and was already in the making and in lockdown and post-production and filming at the time. But still, it's going to be an interesting direction to see where DC is going to go. And Shazam! Fury of the Gods is the next indication of where that might be. And it was a huge success, the first one, back in 2019. Didn't make a whole lot of money, but for a film that was on the smaller budgeted scale, I think it, it, it warranted a sequel. And I think fans might be excited about seeing another one of these films. The trailers have looked really cool, so that could be the big one leaving in March. But another one that could rival that is set to come out the following week, and that, of course, is the highly anticipated sequel to one of the most surprising formulations of a franchise that I think in recent movie-going history, and that is the return of John Wick in John Wick Chapter 4 on March 24th. Chad Stahelsey is coming back to direct. Keanu Reeves is, is back once again alongside Lawrence Fishburne. And like with every other one of the John Wick films that boasts a brand new awesome A-list ensemble with Donnie Yen, you have Bill Skarsgård, you have Scott Atkins, you also have the return of Ian McShane as well, you also have Clancy Brown coming into this film as well, and the, the, the little teaser trailer that came out around Comic-Con looked awesome, just from the little one minute snippet that was released, so fans who have loved this franchise, and it's become very successful, especially coming off that third film, I think are going to be wanting to come back to this franchise after being off of it for a very long time since, again, 2019 of the summer movie season. And then Dungeons & Dragons comes out on the 31st. So, again, a lot of films that 
are in totally different genre spheres, but again, it's about competing for that top dollar. And these are, again, not just mid-level budget films, maybe 1B blockbuster films. These are highly, highly touted blockbuster movies that are going to be very anticipated when we talk about putting out 2023 most anticipated lists. A lot of these films are going to be on there in the month of March. And I think, again, it speaks to the volume that studios are very confident of putting these films out there right now where, again, it was a little bit more hesitant even earlier in 2022, definitely in 2021 of what the marketplace was going to be. And I think I've always said it, and I think 2023 is going to be the year when we talk about kind of boost, a big boost in an overall marketplace from January to December. I think 2023 is going to be that year. Then again, when we look at Scream and we look at Dungeons and Dragons, how are they going to fit within that that sphere? I think when we talk about more certainty, I think Scream is a little bit more established, obviously, than Honor Among among Thieves. And again, Dungeons and Dragons has that big name, has a little bit more popularity because of what Stranger Things has been able to kind of do for that game. There's still the, the, the fans that have been with it forever. It's got a great cast go alongside of it. Again, Ray J. John Page, Justice Smith, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, those those are names. And and they're not they're not A-list names, but they're names that people recognize from other franchises that could that maybe could be a reason, not the reason, but a reason for why you go see that film. But with, with Scream, it's more established. You have a, a, a more robust fan base within the genre itself of horror and suspense. And we've clearly seen that this year and in, in the last couple of months between Barbarian and Smile. Horror fans will go out for horror movies. They will support them for no matter what they are. And if they get good reviews, you could get a bigger boost in that as well. And that's clearly what Scream 5 did earlier this year, where it didn't make gangbuster numbers, but it made over $100, $130 million worldwide at the box office. It, it was able to make back their, their investment in the film on a smaller budget, and it warranted for them making a sequel. And we could be seeing that happening more and more with that franchise moving forward as well. So the month of March is very, very interesting. And again, I think that's really the beginning of what could be a really, really interesting 2023 next year and then when we talk about paramount and their films you can make the argument that no studio is having a better 2022 than paramount pictures and especially when it comes to the theatrical landscape from of course kicking everything off again with with scream the fifth installment jackass forever the lost city sonic the hedgehog dude did very very well in the first half of the year and then of course the big one the phenomenon the the big box office story the big movie story of 2022 in top Gun Maverick making over a billion and a half dollars could it very well be on its way to garnering multiple Academy Award winning or Academy Award nominations and being a big contender for this year's award season. Tom Cruise still a big movie star, an unexpected hit during the summer season. Really got people to go back to the movie theaters that it wasn't a big a big IP or it is a big IP but it wasn't a superhero film, a comic book movie that didn't have that that name to it of what was kind of the big successes during the pandemic. And really shot movie theaters back into a positive notion, especially as the waning days of the pandemic were happening. And then they also had films such as 
Paul's a Fury, which is an animated film, didn't do as well. But the other big one that came out during the year for them as well was Smile. And that was a huge phenomenon that was that was really kind of carried by a great guerrilla marketing campaign. And then uh, carrying through the kind of the Halloween time from September to October, it was the big horror film that people wanted to go see in theaters. And it did it, it did better than people thought. And it has a great story of the fact that usually you have films that are made for theaters that go to stream. This was a film that was intended to go to streaming, but they saw the test scores that they went that they did for screenings for test audiences, very positive scores, and they decided, you know what, there might be something here. Let's go put it into theaters. So that's a great story. So even though Universal might be have has a little bit more of a of a jump when it comes to the actual money that is being made because of the big franchises that did well for them with Jurassic World and Minions. I think you know, Paramount is having that kind of year where you look at them and you just look at the wins that they rattled off. And some of them are huge ones like Top Gun Maverick, Song of the Hedgehog, some of them are smaller like Lost City and Scream and Jackass Forever. But it was basically almost every one of their films, nine times out of 10, struck gold at the box office. And not a lot of studios can do that. And they held off their big, heavy contenders for when they felt like the marketplace in theaters was sustainable for the long run. So when you look at what they have coming up in 2023, again, goes to Scream 6, Dungeons and Dragons. What else can Paramount have that kind of year again? And they very well could because they have probably bigger, well-known films and anticipated sequels coming out next year than they even did this year. And that's even including something like a Top Gun Maverick. They have the two films that I've mentioned before. They also have coming during the summer movie season. They have Transformers Rise of the Beast has Stephen Cable Jr. coming in as a director. It's got a big name in there. The franchise overall has grossed a billion dollars. And while it's waned over the last couple of years, given the track record of that franchise, you still got to put respect on the name that it could do some damage during the summer movie season when it comes out on June 9th. But then arguably, potentially, the one that could not change the summer movie season, but do the same kind of potential numbers that Top Gun Maverick just did, but is a more established franchise, seeing the return of Tom Cruise once again is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and those films again have been doing did very very well pre-pandemic the the last one Mission Impossible Fallout was the arguably the highest grossing film within that franchise so there's there's an appetite for it there's a fan base for it and maybe off the success of Top Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise you get maybe more people to be on the ride for this film as well so Clearly in 2023, they have another big slate on their hands and they could keep going on this win streak right now. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do. But it, it's it's great to see that. And for Paramount, and again, just what we were just initially talking about with the release schedule, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it has to do anything with with VFX, with, with production delays. The fact that they kept it within the same month of the same year, but they just decided to move one up and move one back. I think that's just kind of the chess making deals that they see of what could do better early on in the month. And I think that there is less heavy, they they might feel better about what could come out with with Scream 6 coming out in the middle or the beginning of that month where you have Creed 3. That won't do big money, but it could do respectable box office numbers. And then you have Scream coming out and it's not kind of sandwiched in with those bigger heavy hitter franchises with Shazam and John Wick coming coming before it. And so with Dungeons and Dragons, that might be able to kind of have a little bit of a breather room where there's not really any kind of big blockbuster films of that magnitude 
coming out right now in the month of April. So it has a little bit more of a, of a running lane than it would if it were to go up against Shazam and, and John Wick Chapter 4. So I think it's a smart move on Paramount on their level to be doing that as well. What do you guys think about the moves in regards to the upcoming Scream sequel and Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves? Again, Scream 6 or the untitled Scream film is set to now come out on March 10th and on and Dungeons and Dragons is set to come out on March 31st. Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And now moving on to the next bit of news items that I want to talk about on the podcast is sticking within the realm of IPs and franchises and moving on over to Warner Brothers Discovery, which again, talking about DC and, and the overhaul of, of their studio, what they're doing, but also what Warner Brothers Discovery is doing overall. They've been having massive layoffs, massive overalls into kind of of, of trying to capstrap themselves a little bit and set up for the future. And Warner Brothers has been just one of those things right now where it's just been a mess. It's been one thing after another after another, and they can't just get out of their own way. And there's a lot of big questions when it comes to their franchises. Of course, DC is a big one. But another big one that not a lot of people are talking about right now is the Wizarding World franchise. And specifically Harry Potter. And it's it, it was a huge success for Warner Brothers during especially the 2000s, late 2000 or early 2010s when those final two films came out in the Deathly Hallows movies and were at the time some of the highest grossing films of all time, which when you look at the rest of the 2010s, it's really peanuts considering what that film made and what other films were making after that. But still, it was a huge big deal at the time period. And we've had the Fantastic Beasts films kind of come out and the first one did respectable levels for that franchise and nostalgia behind it. But Crimes of Grindelwald, The Secrets of Dumbledore did not do well for themselves. And they weren't they weren't box office well, they they weren't downright failures. But considering the budget of those films, how much money the other films had made, their box office duds, not outright failures, but still and they were not positive gains for the studio. So the big question, and it was kind of asked a little bit after The Secrets of Dumbledore came out earlier this year, is what is the future of this franchise? Whether it's Fantastic Beasts, whether it's the Harry Potter film franchise, what's the direction of this? Because again, you can't let this franchise go. It is a moneymaker. People still go to the Wizarding World area in Universal Studios. So there's still a fan base for this. And so the question is, how do you capitalize on it? And there's been announcements of a potential HBO Max show and some more spinoffs, but it doesn't seem like those are gaining any traction whatsoever. And that was a part of the old regime. So now we got to take it at value again that this is a new regime coming in. They're more theatrical oriented than the old regime over at Warner Brothers was. And so what are they going to do? It's specifically Warner Media, which is now Warner Brothers Discovery. So where are we going to go from here? So yesterday on the year, their annual quarterly earnings report and their call, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslav, commented on, again, the, the fact that they're focusing on franchises, but specifically, what does it mean in going down the lane of Harry Potter? And this is the comment and and statement that he made in response to that. We're going to have a real focus on franchises. 
David Zaslav said in response to a question from a media analyst about how content will be different under Warner Brothers Discovery from the AT&T run Warner Media era and before. We haven't had a Superman movie in 13 years. We haven't done a Harry Potter movie in 15 years. The DC movies and the Harry Potter movies provided a lot of the profits of Warner Brothers motion pictures over the last 25 years. So a focus on the franchise, one of the biggest advantages that we have, House of the Dragon is an example of that, Game of Thrones, taking advantage of Sex and the City, Lord of the Rings. We still have the right to do Lord of the Rings movies. What are the movies that have brands that are understood and loved everywhere in the world? If we can do something with JK on Harry Potter going forward, Lord of the Rings, what are we doing with Game of Thrones? What are we doing with a lot of the big franchises that we have? We're focused on franchises. So again, some big things to take away from that. And again, the first one is the strategy for David Zaslav. And he recognizes this, and it's true for a lot of companies. Franchises are key. You need franchise films. I know a lot of people that are movie fans might be sick of hearing that, that there's reboots, there's sequels, there's like revivals. It's franchises run Hollywood and, and especially today in the marketplace and maybe ever before especially when you look at what Marvel does with DC Star Wars they're the big money makers right now and Warner Brother Warner Brothers recognizes that and they have to kind of whip themselves back up into shape and realizing that we need to keep making these things profitable but also make them hopefully better in quality in content and when it comes to the Harry Potter films, that's a little bit trickier than usual because there's always been rumblings of, are we going to be getting more Harry Potter films on the way? Of course, there's the Broadway adaptation of kind of the pseudo sequel to Deathly Hallows and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, but could that be the next adaptation that comes in the form from a book or a play into a movie, or would they go in a new direction? And that all kind of comes in predication to working with J.K. Rowling, and there's probably not a more controversial figure in the world of Hollywood, literature, art than J.K. Rowling is right now. And for good reason. I mean, she's criticized the LGBTQ community and a lot of people don't like the comments that she made. And so she's somebody that is a little bit, it, it's tough to kind of, of get on her, uh, get in the good graces of, of, of J.K. Rowling and the fans of Harry Potter. And so a lot of the cast members came out and against her and crew members as well. So it's, it, it's a little bit tricky. It's kind of like if George Lucas were to make these comments and if this was the early 2000s before Disney took over and George Lucas sold the property, you would need his green light into doing more Star Wars content. And the same thing predicates with Harry Potter, where you need her blessing to do more Harry Potter-like elements. She was one of the big factors for the Fantastic Beasts films. The reason that those films really got made was she was kind of the main architect for those movies happening. She was not just a, a producer on there like she was with the Harry Potter films, but she was the screenwriter specifically for the last two Fantastic Beasts films, which arguably were the ones that kind of cratered this franchise in the beginning and kind of got us to this point. So it's not a good look for her that if she wants to keep screenwriting these movies and being a big part of it, they might have to it's going to be very interesting to see because again I don't think J.K. Rowling is going to give up these characters for any kind of sum of money whatsoever and so it's going to be very interesting to see how they work with her are they going to be able to kind of just get her on as an EP and then kind of grant her like hey can we get more people to work on these films maybe you have a creative input on it but we have actual all due respect capable script screenwriters come in and work on these films and these ideas that might be what you have to do and then 
when it comes to making these Harry Potter films, it says it right there in the name, Harry Potter. Are we going to entirely reboot it? Are we going to – how is this going to work if we do more Harry Potter films? Because it's not like it's Star Wars or Marvel where it's not – the name of the character isn't in – the franchise Harry Potter is directly in there and I know over the last couple years they've changed it to the Wizarding World universe so do they kind of stick with that and maybe make more films that are maybe take place after Deathly Hallows but aren't directly tied to Harry Potter but I'm sure the big money maker would be to get Daniel Radcliffe Rupert Grint Emma Watson and some of those cast members back to reprise their roles it would basically be them doing their version of what the sequel trilogy kind of did in Star Wars where you get back Luke Han Leia uh, Lando, you get those characters back and get that nostalgia feel along with trying to ushering in a new era of characters for other people, for younger people and older people also to gravitate towards. And that's going to be very interesting to see if they can make these films without J.K. Rowling, if she would even give that blessing or can they work with her in a way that they keep her in the shadows, they keep her out of the spotlight and they're able to work with people once again in making this franchise. I, I, I would love to see more Harry Potter films I think they should make more within the wizarding world, but we'll see what happens and, and where it goes from here. I think it, the fact that David Zaslav talked about it, again, doesn't mean that there are a lot of conversations going on, but I'm sure it is on top of mind to not just get DC running, but realize that, hey, Harry Potter was a, a huge moneymaker for us and that without this franchise, they again, when it, like he says in, in, in the statement, they wouldn't be as profitable over the last two plus decades that they have been. And that franchise was a big part of it. So again, we'll see where it goes. I don't know if Danny, how you would probably have to back dump a boatload of money for just the big three alone to come back to this franchise. Because I don't know if, if they would want to. And who do you get to direct this film? Who do you get to come back? I, I, as much as I love David Yates, I think his time is come and gone. He's steered the Wizarding World franchise as best as he possibly can. He did a good job of wrapping up the Harry Potter films. He steered the fantastic. Beast films into what they were. That's not good or bad. I'm not saying that, but still, he directed them. But it's time for a new voice. It's time to bring in more people to this franchise. And I think that's one of the great things when you look back on the Harry Potter film franchise that made it so unique. You had different voices come in and it helped kind of progress the maturity of each of those movies between Chris Columbus kind of ushering in the, the, the golden age with the kids and then Alfonso kind of graduating them. And then you had them kind of go into young adults with Mike Newell and then David Yates took over from there. So I hope they go back to that. I hope we do get more films within this franchise. It'll be very interesting to see where they go from here. What do you guys think about Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers Discovery wanting to do more business in the world of Harry Potter? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing or the final news story that I want to talk about on the podcast today is in regards to going over to the Star Wars universe in a galaxy far, far away and talking about some casting news for one of the brand new shows from Star Wars that is set to be filming right now in the UK. And that is for Star Wars The Acolyte. And I remember when Disney first announced this Investor Day or in, after Disney Investor Day in 2020 when they announced all these big Star Wars projects coming out from Obi-Wan to Andor to more Mandalorian to Ahsoka, the, the now kind of 
debunked, gone Rogue Squadron with Patty Jenkins that was set to come out. All that I was very excited about. But the one that I was really looking forward to that sounded so intriguing and so different and, and cool in the Star Wars universe was this new show from Leslie Headland, who, of course, was a showrunner for Russian Doll, which was a really good show on Netflix. And she was going to be making this murder mystery thriller in the form of The Acolyte. And it'd be taking place before 50 years or more before the events of The Phantom Menace. It would be taking place towards the end of The High Republic and would be focused on the myth of the Sith and kind of the rule of two and all that. And all that sounded so interesting, but we hadn't really heard anything about it over the last couple of years. But this year, there was a major headway that happened, especially in the form of casting. We got news that the front runner is going to be Amanda Steinberg, in which they are going to be kind of the main character within this show. Then there was also announced that Jodie Turner-Smith would be a part of this show, along with a now recently touted Emmy Award winner from Squid Game and Lee Jung-jae. So it seemed like this cast was coming together very, very nicely. And now they just added another prolific member to that call sheet. And that, of course, is in the form of His Dark Materials and Logan star Daphne Keene, who is said to be amongst the members that is a part of this journey that the Acolyte is set to go on. And this comes to, from Jeff Snyder, who says that Daphne Clean is closing a deal to be on the show. And when you just look at this overall, it, again, it's just another great member that is a part of this group. And I know a lot of people might know her from His Dark Materials, but I know her, and I think a lot of people remember her from her first role that really kind of put her on the map. And that her, is her role as X-23 in Logan, which she was just amazing, amazing amazing in that in that movie and having going to really toe-to-toe what is arguably Hugh Jackman's best performance ever as not just Logan but himself as an actor to go toe-to-toe with that and really stand on her own was amazing and I know that was one of the big things when the X-Men franchise was still over at Fox before it was taken over by Disney was that maybe they could do more with her character and I would have loved to see more of her post-Logan especially on the journey that she was going on but she's obviously had to move on from that role and she's done a lot of other awesome stuff since then but to get her in this role on another big franchise is a huge major win and I'm really excited about this show and when we look at the landscape of Star Wars shows and Star Wars movies I know that's a different story but specifically Disney Plus shows Andor has been amazing so far Obi-Wan was okay you had Book of Boba Fett was, and eh. then of course Mandalorian has been kind of the cream of the crop until, at least for me, Andor showed up and said, "Hold my beer, really," and as I think took that crown from the Mandalorian. And I love what they're doing on that show. But the one that has always excited me, and I'm looking forward to Ahsoka, looking forward to all these other other projects that are coming out. But really, the one that has always been intriguing to me that I've been very excited about, and is now now that Obi Wan's done, is on the top of my list of. Most most anticipated Star Wars project and Star Wars shows is the Acolyte. And it's because it's taking place in an era of Star Wars that is totally new that if you haven't even read the books of the High Republic, you don't know that era of the Star Wars universe. We don't know really the era of the Jedi Council or the Jedi. We've seen it, of course, in the prequel trilogy, but we're really, I think we're really going to be invested in the world of the Force and the Jedi and the, specifically the Sith and what that was like before Palpatine and Maul all kind of really rose to power. And I'm really interested in seeing that and get somewhere kind of away from filling in the gaps of the original trilogy, getting away from the sequel or the gaps between the original trilogy and sequel trilogy. 
I'm really excited to see this new phase. And, and I think Le- Leslie Headland is going to do an amazing job. And uh, it seems like it's going to be a great mixture of practical effects with the volume. And I think that is the balance to really kind of go with. We see what Tony Gilroy and his crew are doing with Andor, which that is all practical effects when it comes to locations. Obviously, there are special effects that go on. But when it comes to the, to the sets, the props, everything is as practical as it possibly can get. And and even though I think Mandalorian revolutionized production with the stagecraft technology with the volume, I think they've relied a little bit too heavily on it. It's still great, but when you look at Obi-Wan, Boba Boba Fett, you can you can kind of feel the constraints a little bit of it. And so I think a good mixture is the way to go. And I think a balanced attack is what is suitable. And I'm very excited to see what the Acolyte is going to do with that balance. As they usually say in the balance of the force, it's going to be the balance of technology when it comes to the Acolyte. So I'm very excited about the show. If I had a guess, it's been very quiet on the front. There hasn't been really a lot of confirmation from Lucasfilm. A lot of the casting has been from trades that have been kind of coming out in Insiders. If I had a guess, since they're in production right now and it just started, probably 2024 is when I think we'll probably get the official, we'll probably get an official announcement maybe sometime next year, but I don't think it's going to be coming out until sometime in 2024. But again, this is the one that I'm really looking forward to. I'm excited about this one, and I'm excited to see the different approach they take with this in the Star Wars universe. And just adding Daphne Keene is just, it's just another huge win for them on the casting sheet. And I'm excited to see who else they surround this cast with, but also how this cast is going to perform, because it's already set with heavy hitters. And hopefully we get more of them as we get get into it with the Acolyte. So what do you guys think about it? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today is to do a little pre-celebration of the fact that it is one year away from till we get one of the most highly anticipated sequels of next year, of the last couple years, and that, of course, is Dune Part 2. And it was announced yesterday that it were a year away from it from happening, and there's no news about it. It's still in production right now. I know some people have kind of been off of production from it. Florence Pugh, Austin Butler, who are some of the newcomers to the franchise in the second part have already finished wrapping up their filming, although I think they are did go to Jordan to film some stuff in the desert, but I think they are still there right now. Timothy Chalamet's over there, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, they're all still over there right now shooting this thing, so we probably won't see anything about it till maybe CinemaCon next year where when, when Warner Brothers does their own panel presentation. We might not see anything, but... I'm sure investors for cinema chains will get a chance to see what is in store for them next October. But I love the first part. And it's amazing that even with the, even though it was a mild box office success, that we're actually getting this second part and that Denny Villeneuve is being able to tell more of this story down down the line. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. And I think the, the interesting thing when it comes to shooting something that's not back-to-back, but it's a two-parter, is that when you have a little bit of time to see where the response from people that really love the first one and you know what you want to do in that second part, you can take some of the things that maybe didn't work, and there were very little things that did not work on the first Dune movie, and you can apply that to this new film, and you feel more confident. You, you feel that, okay, we have fans. We have people that responded well. You had the most Academy Award nominations of last year. You had the most Academy wins 
with I believe it was six or so wins that they had in the practical categories. So you know that there is a love both in the in the critical landscape, in the fan landscape. And so I'm sure it 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 shows confidence in the crew and the cast that what they're doing is going to be received well. And I think you don't really see that all that much, especially when it comes to franchises like that. So uh, I'm really interested in seeing what Dune does from here. I'm excited for Dune Part 2. I think it's got a great cast. And from what I know of the story, from just knowing the, the book itself, it I think for people that maybe felt like the first part was set up and, and there wasn't a whole lot of action, I think they're going to be very satisfied with what comes in the second part of this. I think it's very much going to be more of like Lawrence of Arabia meets Braveheart in a way. I feel like that's what it's going to be and I think Denny Villeneuve is going to capture that in an amazing way and I think it's going to be a huge huge hit for a lot of people because if it was if it did that kind of money in a restricted environment back in 2021 or last year during kind of a, a huge upsurge in COVID I'm very and people have seen the film from HBO Max watching it at home from the buzz I think Dune Part 2 is going to be a huge huge win for Warner Brothers and for the entire cast and crew next year so this is a little just pre celebration for the year away anniversary for dune part two are you guys excited about this sequel let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts but with that down and out of the way that will do it for this edition of the sam basel podcast once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in be sure to check out my channel for more content you can check me out on spotify apple podcast stitcher radio public soundcloud and much more also make sure to tune in onto the ambiguous podcast solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there such as you mad bro the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis also make sure to check out gold driven professionals geared toward improving client relations return on investment and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services also make sure to check out the daily grind a weekly motivational podcast with kelly johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals also along the way make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions such as wrestle attic radio wrestlemania podcast and midnight showing you can check these out and so much more on the website ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com also on facebook and twitter at real ambiguous and if you want to check out canopy treehouse use the coupon code ambiguous also when you get a chance make sure to follow me on social media you can find me on twitter at Basel samuel that's b-u-s-s-e-l-l-s-a-m-u-e-l and also on facebook at samusel once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in have a wonderful weekend and until next time keep on screening <laughs>